Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple. To make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Can trillions of dollars worth of investment be wrong? That's the question we need to ask ourselves now that nearly all the big tech outfits have reported. After the day where the markets rebounded from its lows, Dow gaining 139 points, S&P jumping 1.19%, and the Nasdaq surging 1.69%. All right, didn't make back everything it lost. But, like I said, no one ever made any money panicking. If you panicked yesterday, always a better time. See, there's a whole network of smart, rigorous money managers who do believe, and you hear them on air all day, who believe that Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Facebook have all become ridiculously expensive, downright dangerous, don't. They don't abide by the notion that any of these companies could possibly be worth a tr- trillion dollars, let alone two trillion dollars. Whoa. Practically every day I hear that these stocks must be hideously overvalued. I'm not kidding. Every day. Some, uh, same goes for their compadres, Netflix and Microsoft. But that's just not true. I think you couldn't be more wrong. Look, there are a ton of stocks in this market that are way too expensive by any traditional valuation metrics, anyone that you care to name. However, that group does not include Facebook, Apple, Amazon, maybe Netflix or Alphabet, say nothing of Microsoft. Only Netflix is really the one that I think is a bit of an outlier. See, this is 2020. It's not 2000. That 2000 being the dot-com boom. With the exception of Amazon and Netflix, all these big tech stocks are valued based on their earnings, not their sales. Sure, they may have high-priced earnings multiples than they used to, certainly. But because the stocks are up, uh, maybe the earnings haven't moved up as much. But we're not talking nosebleed levels. Right now, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Facebook all sell for roughly 35 times this year's earnings estimates. That's been a big leap for something like Apple, which used to sell for more than 15 times earnings before it developed that uh, continual perpetual earnings revenue stream that comes from service Before you say 35 times earnings is too expensive, though, remember that these are some of the best businesses around at a time when the average S&P stock sold around 25 times earnings. So, yeah, they trade a little premium to the average stock, but aren't they better than the average stock? Don't they deserve a premium? These companies are taking over the world. I don't think they're average. I think they're much better than average. 
Now, only Amazon, let's take Netflix off the table for a second, didn't report tonight. Only Amazon, the companies that reported tonight, is an outlier here. It sells for about 100 times earnings. And that's because Amazon has a much faster growth rate than its FANG components. And uh, by the way, it's competing in fields with much larger total adjustable markets, or TAMs. I've been using that term for a while now to get you involved, to understand TAM. In other words, those trillion-dollar-plus market capitalizations, they might look insane, but other than Amazon, their price earnings multiples, the traditional way we value stocks, aren't out of whack at all. While Amazon trades on sales, it's also pretty reasonable. It's four times sales. It's nothing compared to some of these red-hot cloud plays that everybody's so crazy about. Just look at some of these newly minted IPOs. Snowflake, a company I actually really like, the exciting data analytics company, it trades at 130 times sales. Not earnings, sales. Big difference. Zoom Video, another company I really like, trades for 58 times sales, not earnings. If you want to complain about outrageous valuations, at least use the ones that are priced to sales, not priced to earnings, okay? Personally, I think that something like Zoom will ultimately grow into its valuation because the sales and earnings are rising so, so rapidly, which is why I like it here. Still, if you want to argue that something's outrageously expensive, Zoom fits the bill, whereas these big tech companies that just reported, oh, they're nothing. They're like American Electric Power compared to Zoom. You know what I mean? Now, here's another way to look at it, maybe a better way, because you have to struggle. You can't just use traditional metrics all the time. Facebook, Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft, they are all what I call proprietary. In fact, they're so proprietary that they often get dragooned to Washington so the legislators can yell at them for being too entrenched and having too much power. I mean, they're, they're these per se monopolies because they're the best there is. But you know what? When you hear representatives and senators bashing these companies and making the case for more aggressive antitrust enforcement, they're really just telling you why these stocks are worth buying. These guys, Congress is taking a lot of these stocks to super buy. It's like on their Congress U.S. one list. Some politicians may hate big tech for being so powerful and so immunized against competition. But I say, look, this is bad money. It's not mad politics. Good investments. How about another perspective? These big tech plays are generating immense amounts of capital. They're like banks with amazing balance sheets, except unlike the banks, they still have great prospects. Go back to 2000. Everybody's balance sheet looked awful. Look at it like this. Pinterest reported a blowout quarter, and a lot of journalists made a big point, a big deal, about, a, about that on their conference call, they said that advertisers are flocking to their platform because it's more gentle, it's more kind than the big social media sites that are being boycotted. Is that, uh, was that Facebook's Achilles heel? I don't know. I looked over Facebook's quarter. I didn't see any problems. I mean, if there's a boycott, it's, I would just, I'll point blank call it ineffective. Okay? They have so much cash generation, that stuff looks like a borderline irrelevant situation. Sometimes the bears get philosophical. They'll say, we've seen the mighty fall again and again. 25 years ago, for instance, the five largest companies were General Electric, AT&T, Exxon, Coca-Cola, and Merck. Since then, they've become greatly diminished. G and AT&T, wow, shadow of them former sales. Why? They took on too much debt. Exxon got crushed by the collapse in oil. I should say also AT&T was like landlines. Exxon, I don't know, hanging on by a thread. Coca-Cola, well, that hangs in there because it's got a good dividend, but it's no longer the great growth story it used to be. Merck still important, although it's lost its edge as the best drug company and has a very low multiple. Could the same thing happen to big tech? Sure, but not anytime soon. None of them have too much debt. None of them are about to be, not, none of them have landlines, so to speak. They still have the best engineers and developers, so they're not like Merck. And they're not natural resource companies that are, uh, that are carbon-based. I mean, that, it's just not like, they're not sugar water. 
They're not natural resources. Still, we need to consider how vulnerable these companies are every single quarter. So let's delve into them in light of tonight's earnings reports, even though I think that they weren't that significant, except for one company. Alphabet, the parent of Google, was the one company that did something very unusual. They delivered a huge top and bottom line beat. And that sent the stock soaring, much stronger than expected advertising business, real strength in the Google Cloud, which they're breaking out the valuation of. I always expect Alphabet to somehow drop the ball and scare people. Uh, but they didn't this time. It didn't happen. YouTube looks great. This is, as of today, a new Alphabet. Hey, listen, it was up the least of all these. As for Amazon, they obliterated the estimates. Uh, what do you even say about a company that earned more than 12 bucks per share? Wall Street was looking for $7.48. I mean, much higher than expected sales. It's ludicrous to see the stock go down big, 37% year over year. The only real blemish, though, while the guidance was, for the next quarter was strong, their operating income forecast was a little bit light, which is why the stock got dinged a bit after hours. I, you know what? There was this thing. It was called COVID. It cost them like, like $4 billion. I mean, don't you, when you have all those employees, don't you think you have more expenses from COVID? Thank you. Facebook, another huge top and bottom line beat, 22% revenue growth. If you thought the boycott would hurt them, think again. Looks like their advertising business is on fire. I love, I love Instagram shops, what they're doing for small business. CFO David Winter says that we should expect even faster growth next quarter, although there might be some headwinds in 2021. Uh, for now, though, Facebook's looking really good. And what they're doing for the small businessman is never talked about. It's pretty phenomenal. Okay, so how about this one? Is this the, is this the, uh, the worm in the apple? Oh, I like that. Now, finally, there is what we have behind me, okay? Apple is getting hit in after hours, despite reporting a solid top and bottom line beat. iPhone sales were weak, but you've got to keep in mind that this was the last quarter before maybe their most important iteration comes out, the 12, four different models. All the carriers are subsidizing them aggressively. 5G. Now, based on the first five days of shipping data, CEO Tim Cook is feeling optimistic. Apple's launching a new subscription button on Friday. We know the service business is on fire. 585 million subscribers across the company's various platforms. I think the pullback here is a buying opportunity, especially with the 5G launch and the fact that the company didn't skip a beat, even though they didn't have a new phone. That's amazing. And the services business, that is growing like a weed, and they can do it. These guys, the world's their oyster. Oh, they didn't give guidance. Oh, yeah, well, they, why don't you get me an epidemiologist? They know more. I mean, I got a professor of aerosol at UCSD that knows more than what Tim Cook can possibly say, because it's about COVID. Why give a forecast? I mean, unless Tim's taking any uh, epidemiology at night or something. Okay, here's the bottom line. After hearing from nearly all the big tech names, the idea that these stocks are somehow ridiculously expensive and dangerous, to me, that's insane. In most cases, the earnings estimates were way, 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 way too low. That's exactly what you'd expect from the best of breed companies that are growing into their enormous market capitalizations every hour, every minute of the week. Let's go to Mark in Florida, please, Mark. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime fan going all the way back to your Cudlow and Kramer days. Well, there you go. I just, found a call. I just fell on Cudlow and Kramer shirt. I did. All right. Of course, my wife Thanks immediately threw it away. Thank you for us retail investors. Yeah. You've helped me tremendously over the years. Well, thank you. My question is, is how high do you think the VIX is going into the election and how high afterwards if it's contested? Thanks. Yeah, okay, I was watching the VIX snap up the other uh, yesterday, and I said, all right, well, I care about the oscillator. I care about VIX. The VIX failed exactly where I expected it to. Um, it, it really did. It failed right where I expected it to. And as far as I'm concerned, I am not as worried. Let me tell you why I'm not as worried about the election. 
because we've been down for a while. And I think that we're going to have, if the Democrats win, I'm thinking about a, a 10% pullback in a bunch of stocks I'm talking about later in the show. If the Republicans win, man, business as usual. All right, the big tech haters have gotten it all wrong, I think. These stocks are not expensive, all right? They're just doing great things. We'll make money tonight. Not so fastly. I'm sitting down with the CEO of the High Flyer to try to make sense of its recent decline. You want expensive? It's fastly, especially when it, where it was. Then my exclusive with Etsy after earnings. When expensive? Well, it's Etsy. Well, after what it was. Stock closed in the red today. But could it be the prime time to craft a position in a company? And live person powers AI messaging for companies like Chipotle and Delta. And the demand for its product amid the pandemic has pushed the stock higher. But what is it signaling after earnings? I'm talking with the CEO, fresh off its report. These are not the cloud kings, guys. These are companies making fortunes, great balance sheets. These are banks, except for they have no bad loans and they have great CEOs. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What happens when a high-flying tech stock stumbles? Look at Fastly, the next-generation content delivery network, which helps all sorts of companies ensure that everything runs smoothly over the web. A little over two weeks ago, this was one of the hottest stocks in the market. 
and then fastly pre-announced some not-so-hot numbers, stock's been obliterated, losing roughly half its value. First, we heard about the slowdown in business from their top customer, TikTok. Uh, that's a regulatory issue. We started hearing that TikTok could be developing their own in-house content ne- delivery network, meaning they would well, want to be uh, able to do what Fastly does. Yikes! Then last night, Fastly reported its full report, and their sales were nearly in line, but the earnings came in weaker than expected. Worst management gave you disappointing guidance for the next quarter, and they cut the full-year forecast. Now, there are more issues behind uh, TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Fastly uses a consumption-based pricing model, but some traffic they've been expecting from existing customers simply didn't come through. The company says it's a timing issue. Uh, so now we're wondering, is this a broken stock, something you can buy in a weakness now that it's been cut in half, or is it a broken company that you need to avoid with extreme prejudice? Let's take a closer look with Joshua Bixby, the CEO of Fastly, to get a better read on the quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Bixby, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be here. Okay, so Joshua, we know uh, that TikTok turned out to be kind of like what Netflix was to Akamai. Uh, but we didn't necessarily know that it could be so abrupt. Uh, what happens, let's say, to a TikTokless Fastly? Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at the story of our business, um, we look at the underlying factors here, and you know, we go back to basics. Jim, we care about customers. We care that they're growing. We care that we're adding new ones. And, and you know, taking the dynamic situation that you alluded to out of that picture still drives, I mean, we drove a 42% growth quarter. We had the high, second highest um, number of enterprise customers and our total customer ads that we've had since we became a public company. And we, since the COVID era started, had the highest amount of new book revenue. And that holds really well for the future. If you look at our net retention rate over the last 12 months, if you look at our dollar-based net expansion, those remain at industry high. So we've got a tremendous concentration of happy customers. They're demonstrating that. And we are driving the next generation of the internet. So we continue to feel optimistic. Okay. So let me say this. I look at it and I say, is there a possibility that if I had unlimited capital from a SPAC or a PE firm that I could build a better Fastly in two quarters? Uh, You know, Jim, a lot of people have, uh, have tried to do that over the last 15 years. And there have only been a few that have uh, been able to succeed. I think what's really important here is to understand that this isn't about buying hardware and sticking it in data centers. I mean, anyone can go do that. Mm-hmm. What this is about is actually about the future of how applications are going to be built. And that's a combination of delivery, security, and compute. And we, there's a flywheel here that happens. When you have the greatest innovators of a generation, who are working to build the future, right? And we service builders. Those builders build and they iterate, and that entire process feeds the entire community. So what you see in Fastly is a combination. We stand on top of all of this great innovation that's being driven by the greatest innovators of our generation. So you gotta get, for sure, hardware out there, but it's it's not that. It's actually about the innovation cycle that drives this future which is what we're seeing happening in front of us right now. I think now. lost in the TikTok and the timing issues was uh, the revenue contribution from Signal Sciences, uh, the computer edge production. Tell us about those, because they, those seem to make things even more proprietary is the way I looked at it. Yeah, and that's a great way to think about it. I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a situation where you are 
an innovator, and as you know, the innovators sit on our platform, right? And so if you are one of these innovators and you need to deliver content, you and I are going to look at an e-commerce website or a high-tech website or we're, we're, we're doing a transaction. We need that to be perfectly fast. We need to be pixel perfect. We need it to be secure and we need to be have it personalized. And really the applications of the future are doing all of that at an edge. I mean, this is the new way to build this. We sit very humbly in front of the most innovative customers in the world and we get to see the future because of that. They're innovating the future now and they do that by using our tool and so the reality is it's about security and it's about compute. And those are the two elements that we, uh, you know, made really strong inroads in this quarter by launching our edge compute. And as you said, by closing our deal with the most innovative web and API security company in the business. OK, when I go now to shop, I don't want to go see I, I bought some jewelry today. And I, I'm talking about expensive jewelry. I bought it by looking on the web. And I did it because it was lightning speed, was able to show me every single different direction. I was able to see what it looked like on a person. It was everything I want. It was just fast, fast, fast. Uh, I'm sure if I were in school right now, I don't want to have slow. I want fast. I want beautiful. What is COVID doing for the business right now? Yeah, so COVID, you know, as we saw um, the world uh, change overnight. But what this this was not a phenomenon that just started with COVID, right? We have all moved our lives online. This accelerated. But when you look at our plan, as we build for five and 10 years from now, the reality is we knew before, and yes, COVID accelerated, but we know COVID is going to be over. And as COVID ends, what we are seeing is an entirely new generation uh, and a new way of working and a new way of living and, as you said, a new way of buying. And that way of living, buying, working is going to be driven primarily on the Internet and primarily by those that invest speed and security and performance. That's what matters. And that's what we've shown with the winners that are in our customer base have demonstrated that up to the market. And I think we're seeing that today in our own habits. Yeah. See, the roughest thing for me, if you're something I mean, we did, it, you know, we did the piece about like, where do you find a bottom when this happens? And your valuation seven billion dollars. I don't think I could start and create what you built for $7 billion. And to me, that is the way to look at your company. You can't do it for $7 billion. you agree with that? You know, what I agree with uh, from where I sit is that the customer relationships we have, the trust we have, what we've seen represented by how our customers grow, I think that's invaluable. I mean, right. to, you know, what we see in our customers, and actually phenomenon that we're seeing since COVID and we've seen it accelerate, is that we've always been the darling of those that innovate and that are digital natives. They get us. We're builders. They're builders. We're the same. As we've started to, I guess, quote unquote, cross the chasm, as you know, Mm -hmm. this idea that you go into more storied uh, enterprises that have been around for a long time. What we're seeing in the quarter, and we talked about this with a new footwear retailer, an auto parts retailer, these are traditional enterprises. What they are seeing is that they have to innovate faster than ever. And so when you realize that you have to innovate, you look up in a market and you say, who's innovating? And what you see is they have a similar innovators toolbox. We are one of those tools. So I think think what's really important is that story arc. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, It's hard to understand, to to find the level. But the fact is that you've got something that's very special. Joshua Bixby, CEO of Fastly. Great to see you, sir. Likewise. Thank you, sir. You know we've been working on how to value this. It's not easy. It was much lower not that long ago, but they've created a tremendous amount of value. We've got to keep working. Bad money's back into the break.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Man, is this market of high standards. I mean, look at what just happened to the stock of Etsy, the fabulous online marketplace for all sorts of homemade goods, a classic small business enabler for the COVID-19 era. Last night, Etsy reported a phenomenal quarter. The company delivered a big top and bottom line beat with 128% earned, uh, uh, 128% growth, one of the best I've seen. They earned 70 cents per share. Wall Street was only looking 57. They had nearly 70 million active buyers. They don't suspect just 62 million. Even better, Etsy gave you a spectacular sales forecast for the next quarter. And what happens? Well, the stock, which had already pulled back into the quarter, got slammed down 7 bucks or 5%. Why? Well, there was one tiny piece of hair on Etsy's guidance. The adjusted EBITDA margin forecast was a little weaker than we might have hoped. If that sounds like nitpicking, you're absolutely right. I like this stock on a pullback. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Josh Silverman, the CEO of Etsy. Learn more about the quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Silverman, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. It's great to see you. All right, so Josh, you know this is one of those things where if I were maybe a hedge fund, I look at it and I say, well, wait a second, your return on investment thresholds, you expect lower uh, ROI in the fourth quarter, that you're spending a little more in order to be able to make the business better. To me, that's what I demand of a, of a CEO. I demand that a CEO spend money to make the business better and bigger. When are we going to get that into our thick heads? That's why your stock's been so great over the long term. Yeah, first, we feel great about the discipline we've had in investing uh, all along during during uh, the last four years. Um, And, you know, we're going to keep being super disciplined about our investment. This is a moment when Etsy is really top of mind for millions of consumers, and it's the perfect moment for Etsy to be leaning in and really investing in marketing. We want to make sure that Etsy's brand is burned into the minds of tens of millions of consumers and that they really understand what differentiates Etsy, what makes us so special, so that we keep seeing the sustained momentum far, far into the future. Right. Now, I felt the most important part of the conference call is when you said you are now part of the zeitgeist. I mean, that's what you always should aspire to, whether it be trying to make the top of the funnel bigger, whether it be advertising. You have to be part of the discussion. Now, maybe masks help you do that. I know you had to say, I mean, look, when I ordered thousands of masks, I don't need a new mask every other week. But something has happened, I felt, this quarter where people just said, I'll go to Etsy as opposed to go to somebody else. And maybe it's COVID, whatever. But you're, you're top of mind. Yeah, I mean, when you talk to consumers about who are the big e-commerce players or who's top of mind for them, all of a sudden they'll say, oh, Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, Target. Well, we're suddenly in the same breath as brands that are 50 or 100 times bigger than Etsy. And we have the potential to be so much bigger than we are today. It's just being about top of mind. What's so great about Etsy is that we're not trying to be the same as everyone else. There are so many places coming online right now that will sell you the exact same thing you can buy at 10 other places. And then you're just trying to sell it cheaper or ship it faster. 
At Etsy, we really stand for something different. You're buying from another human being. The product is made just for you, and we think that that is, you know, an opportunity that's massive, and we're only beginning to unpack it. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was looking at, we were discussing Tiffany earlier today, and in the end, Tiffany doesn't uh, do what I want, which is personalization. But Nike does personalization. I mean, it truly does. And Etsy does personalization. And personalization means that I got it made for my wife. I got it made for my daughter. And therefore, it's special. And it's no longer special just to be able to go on Amazon and click. That's right. When you buy from Etsy, you're buying from one of more than 3 million artisans who are going to make that product just for you. And if you want the sleeve length to be a little bit different, if you want it in a different color, uh, if you want that table to be custom made just for your dining room in just the right dimensions, you go to Etsy for that. Of course, there are tens of millions of items that are also made and ready to ship from the from the craftsperson mm-hmm. themselves, but they've pre-made them and they're ready to ship. But they can also customize and personalize it for you. And in fact, we're going to be running a whole new set of TV campaigns. They, they, they just launched yesterday. So we are running a whole new set of TV campaigns. And you'll see us really leaning into that notion of personalized just for you as a core element of, of, of what we're pointing out in those campaigns. Well, the brick and mortar offers two things that I don't want. One is that it's just a race to the bottom for price. And the second is because of COVID, I'm afraid to speak to them. I know that sounds odd, but, you know, uh, relatives have COVID. I know many people have COVID. I don't want COVID. And if I go to get an item at a store, I am, more, I am fewer than six feet from the salesperson. So that's yeah. unacceptable to me. And so therefore, I go to Etsy. Yeah, so there have been a tremendous number of people that are suddenly shopping online that used to be shopping offline. So last quarter, e-commerce grew 45% year over year. That's an astonishing number. It's, it's hard to get your head around. You never would have imagined all of e-commerce growing at 145% year over year. But Etsy's GMS grew at 119%, two and a half times the rate of e-commerce. So we're gaining massive share. And it's because of the convenience. It's because of the safety, of course. But it's also because you get something made just for you and it's great value and you're supporting small business and you're connecting with another person. And I think at a time when we're all being pulled apart and at a time when we're forced to be distant, people are craving connection. And Etsy delivers that. Okay. Do I have to worry about the language in the call where you said there's a steady decrease in mass sales and decelerating of new buyer growth? Uh, Because I think that that scared some people. So Etsy added 15 million new or reactivated buyers in the third quarter, 15 million in one quarter alone. That's more than a million a week. It's an incredible number. And if you look at the second quarter, we also added an astonishing number of new and reactivated buyers. In fact, Etsy now has 69 million active buyers. And so from that incredibly high elevated base, we expect maybe a little bit of decel, yes, because as the world reopens, we won't have uh, you know quite so much of that uh, COVID tailwind. But we think that what, it, what this moment has done is it's really made Etsy front of mind for tens of millions of consumers. And they're having fantastic experiences on Etsy. And they're having fantastic experiences buying across so many different categories. You know, home furnishings. Mm -hmm. We've sold $2.4 billion of home furnishings over the last 12 months. And that grew 126% year over year in the third quarter. Jewelry and apparel 
both grew at about 60% year over year. So people are buying across so many categories and they're having such a great experience that we think that that is going to provide a meaningful tailwind for growth for Etsy for years and years to come. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't want to look at the stock on a daily basis. I want to look at this, how the stock has done since we've known each other. Josh Silverman, CEO of Etsy. Great to see you, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Look, uh, if you judge a company by what it did in terms of its stock price, I have noticed that during this earnings period, you've been almost completely wrong. Think about the longer term. It's actually working like Etsy. And money's back into the The pattern this earnings season is starting to become clear. If your stock's been surging to new highs during the pandemic, you need to absolutely blow away the numbers and deliver a picture-perfect quarter. And that's how Pinterest could surge 27% today. But anything short of perfect has been punished. So what do we make of tonight's results from Live Persons, the cloud-based software company that specializes in conversational artificial intelligence? In other words, they make those chatbots that help their businesses connect with their customers and in lightning speed. Turns out COVID-19 has been fabulous for the chatbot business, and the stock surged from 14 at its March lows to 57 at tonight's close. It's a huge move, although it's down more than six bucks from its recent highs. Now, tonight, Live Person reported a clean beat, better than expected sales, better than expected earnings, modest operating profit. Wall Street was actually looking for loss. Meanwhile, management gave solid guidance for the next quarter and raised their full year forecast. But you know what? You always have to ask these days, will that be enough? At least for the first day. I am telling you right now that three days later, it's down, it's up. And three days later, if it's up, it's down. Don't worry about the next three days. But let's dig in deeper with Rob Locascio. He's the founder and CEO of Live Person. Get a clearer picture of the quarter and his company's process. Rob, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me, Jim. Rob, you were doing some very interesting things. We were looking at your website, which is quite exciting. And I think this notion that you're doing of the, the curbside QR, the ability yeah. to be able to make it so that we don't have to talk or touch, is probably, in an era of COVID, the single greatest customer service uh, appendage that I've seen. How did you come up with that? You know, basically, when you look at social distancing, and, and what's going on, a lot of these retailers, they have to, you know, align to that. So what we're doing is both curbside pickup that you can message, make an order through your mobile device, and then you go and you curbside pickup. Like at Lowe's, we have this running. And we just signed one of the largest jewelers in the world where when you walk in the store next to the product, there'll be a little QR code. You hit it with your phone. You can message someone who's not there and even in AI and discuss jewelry. And then when you leave... You know, you'll continue that discussion and they can serve you. And so in the era where we need social distancing, you can't have someone near face at a store. So here you can use your mobile device and shop safely. You know, because I thought, first of all, I, I, I'm doing this mask initiative. I no longer even be, believe in six feet. I believe if they're speaking right yet. You are in trouble. I just believe yeah. that that's how it's been transmitted. People don't seem to seem to be a little bit obtuse about that. This was the first product that I've seen that said you can still shop and not be worried. And now, how? Uh, what's the adoption of this? Because I think that, that well, I wouldn't want to own a retailer if I didn't have it. Look, the, the retail sector for us is just booming. I remember last time I talked about Chipotle, where yes. you can build a burrito with this, with this pepper bot, and then you go and you pick up the burrito at the door. So... What fueled our 26% growth in the quarter and 29% growth last quarter was really uh, retail. And we're seeing massive adoption for 
where in the past we really dealt with big call centers like telcos and banks, mm -hmm. but now retailers are really diving in because, look, they, they want people to physically maybe come into a store, but once again, you're right, you can't have somebody in your face, you know, talking to you, but you can shop safely if you do it through conversational commerce. And yeah, when you were on last time, you had just introduced the conversational cloud, so it's been a pretty good uh, summer and early fall. Yes, you know, the, um, I mean, actually I've been on the show like seven or eight times, and when I, we go back to the original one, I talked to him about the vision of conversational commerce, how AI and automation is gonna power the way we're connecting with brands. And I can say now that it's happened. Uh, with right. COVID, you know, there's just been an acceleration where in the past I've said, look, this is the future, Jim. And what we see now is it's really the present, it's the present, and, and we see an acceleration into the future. We were fooling around with the Instagram messaging that you're using uh, with an yeah. airline. And it's just a heck of a lot better way. Again, I don't want to talk to anybody because talking to anybody means I got to be on hold and talking to anybody means that they don't know what they're doing. The chatbots always seem to know what they're doing or they always seem to know what I want. And the spirit air that we went to was uh, rather remarkable. Another fantastic way for customers to, particularly millennial customers, to be able to get exactly what they want without waiting. Yeah, I mean, but spirit air is us. Delta Airlines is us. I think one of the interesting things is that the travel and hospitality sector, which has obviously been under a lot of pressure, um, for us is actually uh, that we're seeing a doubling down. What's right. happening, especially with the airlines, is they're saying, look, we have these giant contact centers before, and we want to change the game. So what they're doing is they're retooling very quickly because once COVID, you know, we, we get a vaccine, people are going to travel. They want to create different experience. They want that you message on the way to the airport. Right. You're in, you know, maybe your flight got changed before you get there. You can go to another plane. You don't have to get it put on hold. So the stuff you're seeing with Instagram, uh, we just launched that uh, a week ago. You know, we got Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, you know, SMS. So all of the messaging endpoints are available now. And, and this is really the way consumers want to want to connect with brands. Uh, Rob, when will we lose the uh, if you know your party's extension, press one. Uh, if you know what you want, blah, press two. But be, like, if I, why would I call if I knew my party's extension? I mean, what, what is that? I mean, you know, that is like the most stupid thing in the world. I, 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 when, when can you put that out of business with what live person does? I know my party's <laughs> extension. Yeah, you think I clown? What, what kind of clown would call you if I know your party? I mean, when are you going to put that to bed? When are you going to put that? When are you going to euthanize that process? Jim, I don't know why it exists. Like, I, you know, you and I feel the same way. Like, I don't know why this exists. It's like 50-year-old technology. Call me. Press one, press two, find somebody, talk to them. Now they're in their home. You got to talk to somebody in their home. They probably just got out of the shower. They're answering the phone. Kids running around. They're like half naked. I mean, it makes no sense. Like, we, we can make this automated. We can make 80% of these conversations automated, and it's happening. You know, we're seeing, seeing the numbers. We're growing really, really fast now. There's a massive adoption happening. You know, obviously, voice has been around for a, a long right. time. So, like, it, we had to break the chains, but we, we've broken them. They're broken, well, I mean, Jim. To me, and when I looked at your selling. numbers, Rob, I actually said they may have more business than they can handle, perhaps because of COVID, perhaps because your technology makes it so the other guy is a loser, right? Yeah. If, if you yeah, come I mean, in and right you're a drugstore, the other drugstore has to have it. Yeah, and that's what's happening. I mean, whether we see, we're seeing healthcare as a vertical really mm -hmm. take off. We're seeing, uh, obviously, retail is really taking off. And, um, you know, everyone's going to do it, it especially yeah. with Instagram now just opened up. If you're Too on easy. Instagram, Absolutely. you're going to want to be messaging. You're right. And you need a platform like ours. And you're going to want to automate that. You know, 
as I said, we made a very big bet in AI three or four years ago, and it worked. And and we're here today, and it's and it's you know it's we're we're just doing awesome. All right, let's leave it at that. Rob Lucasio, thank you again for another great quarter and for doing what you're doing, which is making it so that like we can actually have customer service in the year of COVID. Thank you so much, sir. Good to see you. Thanks, Jim. Have a good yeah, buddy's back after the break. It is time! It is time for the night around! Here, what's up, Rock? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round. Christmas morning, start with Mario in New York. Mario. Just want to know your view about Workhorse and the potential contract with the United States Postal Service. Workhorse is a show horse, as far as I'm concerned. The people on Twitter, they're people who want me to promote this thing every single day of the week. I'm not a promoter. And I'm not going to go there, okay? There are other stocks I like in that space. I know you're going to say they're not really that space, but I like plug power. Let's go to Gail in New York. Gail! Hi, Jim Kramer. I love your show, and I try not to miss it. Oh, thanks, Gail. I've had... Thank you. I've had Boya Financial on my radar for over a year, but I haven't dived in, and I wanted to know what you think of Boya as a long-term investment. I think it's good. It's the best house in a real bad neighborhood. I'm not going to recommend. I will not recommend anything financial or anything oil. Wow, pretty draconian, huh? My travel trust owns J.P. Morgan. That acts awfully, and we own Goldman Sachs. And I don't know. Jeez, uh, maybe I worked there. Couldn't believe how cheap it is. But no, thank you. Let's go to Bob. I mean, I'm not going to push push people in. Let's go to Bob in Connecticut. Bob. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Thanks hey, for doing what you do. Oh, you're great. I'd thank like you. to. I'd like to know what you think of New York Community Bank. I know you're probably interested in that dividend, and it is bountiful, okay? I look at it and say, if I were running that bank, that dividend is too risky. They can tell me all they want, but I don't like the shape of the U.S. economy right now if COVID keeps growing, all right? Got to put it, get it under control. Let's go to Bill in Florida. Bill. Hey, Jim. This is Bill in St. Augustine, Florida. Nice Listen, place. I- I watch your show frequently and appreciate the wisdom that you're sharing Thank with you. the small investors. How, however, I've got a, uh, uh, a limited partnership, MPLX, parent company is uh, I'm familiar Marathon. with it. I, I'm familiar with it again. You probably like it for the yield, which is about 16%. I find that typically, I don't know about these guys, but typically that kind of yield is unsustainable and will be cut. Maybe this is the ultimate exception, and good luck to them. Let's go to Dustin in Tennessee. Dustin. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Tennessee. Booyah. Jim, I've been managing golf courses for around 20 years, and I've never seen golf courses this busy, driving ranges this busy. They're packed. COVID really drove the numbers up. Earlier this week, Callaway Golf, ticker ELY, agreed to buy out Top Golf in an all-stock deal that valued the business in over $2 billion. Right. The combination of Top Golf and Galloway seems like a great investment because if COVID hangs around, Callaway's business is going to continue to explode. If, uh, if the vaccine, if we get a vaccine and COVID- see, but Dustin, people said they spent too much money. So that's why the stock's going down. People said, why do they have to do that? Why do they have to pay so much? But I like your thinking. It's gotten hit and hit and hit. And when we see those situations, that means that it's actually getting cheaper and worth buying. I'm siding with you. Enough. I think if it goes down tomorrow, you pick some up. 
How about we go to Holly in Maryland? Holly. Hi, Jim. I love your show. Thank you, Holly. Um, I was wondering if you are still bullish on Simon Property Group. Well, if you're going to own one of these, I have said that that is that and Federal Realty were the two to own. Uh, But once again, let's understand each other. The longer the COVID lasts, the less valuable that property is. That's the way it works. I was hoping that we would have it under control, mass, social distancing, contact tracing. But we have distinguished ourselves as a bit of a laughing stock, of which, you know, doesn't help those companies and doesn't help America. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. There's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. To borrow a line from Buffalo, Springfield. Right now, the market is fiercely trying to price in a blue wave election. A total landslide for Biden and the Democrats. That just feels a little confused, doesn't it? For example, earlier today, the healthcare stocks got swamped with sellers because healthcare is broadly perceived as being the most vulnerable industry under a Biden White House. Some people are terrified the Democrats will win such a large majority that we'll start hearing about socialized medicine. They'll say it's time for our government to negotiate prices with the drug companies like every other country on Earth. Others might suggest that the managed care companies should make a lot less money, something United Health Group actually brought up last year as a possibility, although that was when Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren looked like viable presidential candidates. I got to tell you, I know where those worries come from, but can I just say they seem totally out of step with reality? The self-proclaimed socialist Bernie Sanders, he lost the primary. Biden beat him like a drum. Vice President Biden's not running on socialized medicine, never has. He's actually running to shore up Obamacare and maybe let people buy into a government-run plan, the public option. Although his campaign's been pretty quiet about that since he locked up the primary. Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House, does not support single-payer. Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, does not support single-payer. Biden's running mate, Senator Harris, has a confusing history on health care. She's endorsed Medicare for all, then she came out against it. But she's not at the top of the ticket. Listen, do you remember Obama's first term? The Democrats had supermajority, and they had barely was able to pass the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Care Act. I mean, even with no public option, even if Biden wins in a landslide, he won't have a supermajority. There's no universe where the Democrats have the votes to pass single payer in the next Congress. But the people who are freaked out and furiously dumping everything healthcare, they are in a panic, and they do not care about those pesky details. Everything I just said, they are either ignoring or don't believe. If we get a blue wave, these negative Nancys will come in next Wednesday, too. And they'll lock the managed care stocks down 10%. The drug stocks are going to lose 5 to 7% of their value. It's harder for them to go lower than that because, well, they have bountiful dividends. It's going to be pure panic. And when panic sellers dump high-quality health care stocks, we got to be ready to buy, not sell. By next Thursday, midday, I think the selling will abate. I know, unless there's just a total contested confusion. And then, you know what you can do? You can pick them. Pick up one of your favorites. Hey, let me give you a couple. Merck reported a great quarter. I saw uh, Mr. Fraser on today. He sounded pretty great. I like Eli Lilly because it got clobbered, even though uh, it's doing terrific because they had one COVID drug that was disappointing in some clinical trials in the hospital. What else? Oh, let's go back to United Health Group. What an incredible quarter, but it can't rally. It can't rally because people worried about the single payer and all this other stuff. Forget it. False at 290. Buy it. Finally, consider one that we talked about many times here. It's called Dexcom. They make the best blood sugar monitor for uh, people with diabetes. 
Right now, its stock is being crushed by sellers who think we're headed for a Soviet-style healthcare system that won't pay up for quality medical devices. Dexcom trades like Joe Biden is Joe Stalin. Yeah, that's a perfect setup. I think that's a foolish bet to make. Maybe Trump pulls off a surprise win. Maybe Biden wins, but the Republicans hold the Senate. But man, even if there's a blue wave, a single-payer health care system is simply not on the ballot this year. Every four years, both parties try to scare you into voting against the other guys. I don't care how you vote. I'm just trying to help you manage your money. But if you want to be a good investor, you can't afford to make decisions based on heated campaign rhetoric. Please, I'm begging you, stay calm, stay put. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.